there might be a cutoff point where humans won't be able to differentiate between reality and the metaverse. Wouldn't that be the point when we stop thinking that it is not overrated, but it is actually what it was meant to be? And there is Lucy's digital twin doing something out there. And you look at your palm and you actually think it's yours. Welcome to Attention Seekers, the podcast from Performance Marketing World, where we get to know who's seeking attention in the industry and how they're doing it. Performance marketing is all about attention. It's the currency that is traded between consumers and advertisers, whether it's seconds on a screen or clicks on a link. So if you're not an attention seeker, you're not doing it right. I'm Lucy Shelley, reporter at PMW and your host for Attention Seekers. Today, I am joined by brand marketing expert Suresh Balaji, co-founder of the Web3 Marketing Association. Suresh was previously at HSBC for 17 years before a move this summer. He oversaw HSBC's acquisition of real estate in the sandbox, making the bank the first global financial services giant to enter into the metaverse. He is also a speaker on the podcast Web3 and Whiskey. Hi, Suresh. Thanks for being this week's Tension Seeker. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Uh, I've been listening a bit to the, your podcast, Web Web Three and Whiskey. I didn't I didn't realize it actually features whiskey drinking. I thought that was just a nice name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, as part of my role as the founder of the Web Three Marketing Association, I've taken it upon myself to evangelize Web Three, and we had to find a way of making it interesting for the audiences. And hey, you you mentioned attention attention seekers. And we sort of boil down to the intersection of, you know, there the are three of us who host that podcast. And, um, you know, what, what the, the things that were common between ourselves was Web3 and Whiskey. And we whittled it down to, all right, let's have a bit of a banter about Whiskey. And we'll have a bit of a banter about Web3. And this Web3 should be fun. It shouldn't be a drab. And that's what we do. It's great fun. And you're also uh, the head of judges for our global awards next year. So you are a very busy man, it seems. No stopping. But let's let's get into it. Let's ask you our first question, which is, what has been getting your attention recently? Clearly, um, all things Web3, right? The world of Web3 is changing every day. I mean, there's so many newsletters that I subscribe to. Um, there's so much reading that I'm doing in the world of Web3. There isn't a day when I'm not having a web conversation about Web3 with someone. Um, either either we are sort of talking about uh, helping build consumer protection in Web3, or we're talking about trying to figure out the next best immersive technology where we can take brands. Uh, or on the other hand, we're talking about how do we get people understanding these technologies better so that we can elevate business models. So there's so much going on. So that's what's getting my attention. Um, you say, if you say Web3 and you have my ears. Because I like the way when you you were talking about uh, your, when you left HSBC and you talked about it going from Web0 to Web3. So you've, see, you've seen the full, the full spectrum of the internet changed. Are you mass- yeah, I mean, I know you're massively excited about Web3, but what's, what's exciting about it for you at the most? Um, yeah, great question, right? I'm probably giving away my age by saying I'm a, I used to be a Web0 marketer. But fascinatingly, I believe that Web0, Web1, Web2, Web3, all of them will coexist. Uh, when the internet came about, uh, there were two schools of thought. One school that said, well, the internet is going to take over. 
software is going to eat the world, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, and then all the Web Zero businesses are going to die. And um, and many years later, when Amazon bought Whole Foods, um, the world said, "Oh my word! All right, our uh, our stores back in vogue again." So the most important thing is to try and figure out, I mean, these are all technologies, but the most important thing is to try and figure out how brands can authentically create the right kind of experiences for their audiences. Um, when Web2 came about, it was all about social media taking over websites. And the question was, oh, yeah, should all websites turn into user-generated content websites? And that was not true either. So zero, one, two, three, all of them will coexist. It's just human genius that we've been able to create a completely new dimension of technology. Um, someone recently said that the internet is nothing but a giant copy machine. Um, but but when Satoshi Nakamoto, whoever it is, a person, human being, machine, we don't know who that is, when they wrote this paper around digital asset ownership, just the, just the idea of you can own a piece of the internet and that real estate, that space, that image that is uniquely yours, I think it's absolute genius. That brings to that brings us to uh, spaces around business models, to customer engagement, to audience engagement, uh, to the way we go to go to market. All of this uh, will change um, and change as in it's not going to go from A to B. It's going to go from A plus B, which is what is super exciting for me. Well, this podcast is called Attention Seekers, so I do want to find out how much of an attention seeker you really are, Suresh. So do you have a time where you can tell us about something when you've done something completely ridiculous for attention? Wow. Yes. So um, very recently, I bought myself an Ethereum domain name. So you know you can buy yourself .eth domain names. And I bought myself a .eth. And I changed my LinkedIn name to SureshBalaji.eth. And it points to my wallet. So anyone who wants to know what NFTs I own uh, need, needs to go to SureshBalaji.eth. Uh, and that's the beauty of Web3. I mean, ENS, you know, Ethereum naming services is quite the fad. And I think this is probably the, you know, it, it, it sounds like it's, it's vain. It's, it's proper vanity. <laughs> uh, I don't need to own SureshBalaji.eth. I'm not a brand name. But I, but I landed up buying it just to get it to point to my wallet. It's not like I own some heavy-duty blue-chip NFTs. Uh, I own a few, but uh, but I needed it to. I needed it because I'm in the world of Web3, so desperately seeking attention. Well, that's very cool. I noticed that. I, I, I didn't know what it meant. I was going to ask. Oh, that's uh, really cool. So people can see exactly what NFTs you own. What what um what, What's your style? What have you gone for? What's your favorite that you have? So given that this is an attention seeker podcast, before I get to what NFTs I own, I should we should talk quickly about the big change between Web 2 and Web 3 when it comes to attention seeking. Um, in the world of Web 2, it's all about audiences. In the world of Web 3, it's all about community building. So someone recently said that you know Web 3 is not just a technological change, but it's also um, a bit of a cultural change. Um, so what is really interesting about Web3 projects is like-minded communities get together. Uh, we call this the creator economy because those communities can actually issue NFTs and those NFTs are worth something. Um, so I am on Discord servers all the time trying to figure out which are the most interesting 
communities that I can be part of. Um, so I land up buying NFTs from communities that I find interesting, engaging, creative, um, you know, some, uh, and be part of communities where I can learn something from. Uh, so it's really fascinating that through the emergence of NFTs, um, one can find their tribe on the internet far easier uh, than ever before. It is a massive uh, place to just create connections, isn't it? That's kind of one of the the biggest selling points of, of the metaverse and Web3 and all of it, isn't it? Absolutely. I think there are there are two or three areas um, which are which are buoyant in this space in terms of being able to create connections. The first one definitely is um, you know emergence of new platforms where you can engage with like-minded people. The likes of Discord is one. Um, the second one is um, the ability for um, NFTs that can create utility. So if and if an NFT is a key, that key opens a door to a community, and that community could be focused on something really uh, that only you are, you are interested in and this community can be anywhere in the world um, except that this is a you know it's it's a gated community based on the ownership of the nft um, and and the third one perhaps is the ability for anyone to be able to create communities that create new business models so someone i mean the, you must have heard about you know decentralized autonomous organizations, otherwise called DAOs. Um, my favorite one is a DAO that got together um, and they want to they want to buy a golf course, a, a brand new golf or, or just buy a golf course. They, it started off, I mean, usually you hear about communities and memberships, but these folks got together and said, hey, we are going to buy a golf course. Um, and you can be a member of the community and you can own a, you own a membership NFT and that membership NFT is your piece of the real world golf course. So there's just so many new business models coming up uh, and that's what makes this whole thing really exciting. For the main section of this podcast, we like to talk about ratings. And so I've asked you to bring something that is overrated and underrated in the industry. So shall we start with something that you think is overrated? I think the current metaverses are all overrated, um, at least the ones on chain. And the reason why I say that is um, even Sandbox, which is one of the best ones, and I, and I love uh, the way that they are, Animoca are building Sandbox, uh, but there's a, there's a, I wouldn't say they're overrated, uh, but I think they it's still work in progress. Sandbox is not fully live. Uh, Sandbox uh, do alpha seasons and they do them really, really well. Uh, but it's not a, a metaverse which is switched on in perpetuity. You can't go to it if, you're, if there is no alpha season on. Um, so the met and, and metaverses as they stand now, at least the on-chain ones, uh, are all not ready for fully immersive experiences. Um, so there's a lot of noise about it, but I think it's still work in progress. What is underrated is, I think NFTs are underrated. Everyone thinks of NFTs as sort of art NFTs. I think the ability for NFTs to unlock true value through utilities um, is probably why uh, they are still underrated. I think enterprise level um, use, enterprise level tokenization at an enterprise level, all of that um, hasn't yet seen mass adoption, hasn't yet seen scale. Oh, that was interesting uh, that you came 
and brought the metaverse as something that you thought was overrated, well, you know, the current metaverse as, as what you think is overrated. Because a lot of our guests that we have on this podcast, when I ask them what do you think is overrated, they do say the metaverse. Um, but they say for now, but then in the future is where its value is going to come to life. And so I was hoping that you were going to come and argue against that point, but you've only gone and agreed with them. So here's the here's the point, Lucy. I think when, when do we think metaverses will become um, hyper real, right? So, I mean, metaverses are essentially being built on game engines, right? And if simulations continue to improve and they become hyper-realistic, there might be a cutoff point where humans won't be able to differentiate between reality and the metaverse. So there might be a time when you're actually in the metaverse and you don't know you are in it. Wouldn't that be the point when we stop thinking that it is not overrated, but it is actually what it was meant to be, and there is Lucy's digital twin doing something out there and you act, and you look at your palm and you actually think it's yours or you touch something and you actually feel gravity wouldn't that be the point when the metaverse is real and you buy something and your digital twin wears something then it becomes real so i i was arguing on linkedin that maybe we should have a turing test equivalent for the metaverse um, maybe we should build one when will we know that we've actually transitioned I mean, currently they look like you know Robloxy, pixely gaming zones. We don't want to be in those. We want to be in the ones where we can actually feel gravity. We can actually hold a cup and feel it. Uh, we can actually shake a hand and know that we're actually shaking a hand. Wouldn't that be the time when Metaverse is fully up and running? I would argue that's why it feels a bit overrated now. No, I agree. I mean, it kind of it scares me a bit when you talk about not being able to differentiate but when you're talking about being able to hold a cup and feel gravity, you know, some brands are entering into the metaverse. I think there was a beer brand. I can't remember which. And, you know, you, you could taste beer or sample beer in the metaverse. So I'm not really sure how. But can is that a possible future? Is You know, can it go that far? Maybe. Um, but on the other hand, I would want to think about it as, um, I don't know if you watched this movie, Ready Player One. So you, you must if you haven't. Weekend Homework. So the, the, the character, I mean, it's a Steven Spielberg movie, probably one of the best. It was made a few years ago. Um, and the protagonist in the movie is a chap called Parzival. Um, Parzival says people come to the Oasis, the metaverse, for all the things they can do, but they stay for all the things they can be. So what is fascinating is it's not about doing stuff. It's about expanding, potentially expanding our identities. Is there an opportunity for us to experience new things and in by experiencing new things are we expanding our identities is the metaverse going to be a place where we can be who we want to be uh, is it is it a space which is going to be um, you know without bias uh, without bullying without harassment uh, completely inclusive um, you know fully diverse is it all the things that will 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 these technologies augment humanity to create something of real value is the big question I think that's what we need to sort of hurtle towards. It's not about, you know, playing some play to earn games and collecting some tokens which you can exchange for um, some gear. I think eventually the ability for this to add a, full, a new dimension to humanity is probably what it's going to be, where, where it, will, it will eventually achieve its potential. I mean, it sounds so exciting and I can see how excited you are about it. Do you think part of the excitement is from the endless possibilities and the unknown possibilities that could come from it as well? The fact that we can't really guess what it's going to be like or do for us. 
Absolutely, right? I mean, we didn't know what the internet could do for us when it all started. In the 90s, when it was, it was so painful to use the internet, we had to connect the modem. And then, I mean, I would have to tell my mom, please don't pick up the phone. I'm on the internet. Um, <laughs> and and, 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 and it, it, was not, it was not straightforward, right? And now, who would have thought that, you know, we would be carrying supercomputers in our pockets? And what it has done to us, if, if anyone had told us that this is the way we would live, um, you know, we, 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 used to, we used to get futurists to come and talk to us and we would go, wow, um, shop on the mobile phone? How is that even possible? And now, now it's possible. I think, I think now it's just all so seamless now and it feels like it's incremental. It, it creeps up on us. And that's the same, it's the same thing that will happen. Uh, business models will emerge and uh, ability for us to create identity, you know, newer versions of identity will emerge. Um, and none of us are really happy with the current generation of the internet, are we? Um, we look at it going, wow, um, you know, programmatic advertising feels like stalking. Um, there are so many issues with, um, you know, polarization uh, that social media creates. And, and there are lots of questions and issues around all the allegations of bullying, all the allegations of harassment and discrimination and everything else. Can we build a better internet? And is this sort of the next generation of the internet, otherwise called the third web or, the, or web three, is this the internet that we were meant to build? And is it something that we can, is that, is there a transparent uh, peer-to-peer connection that we can, or, or multiple, multiple communities to community connection that we can create um, because of the ability for uh, human beings to exist in the space and create and participate in the space is where this is where the infinite possibilities come through. The other infinite possibilities come through, Lucy, are from the ability for us to create three-dimensional spaces that don't necessarily have to mirror our world. Interestingly, anybody who's building, you know, metaverse designs now, metaverse architects now, are all are all building things that look like the look like planet Earth. It doesn't have to be. It's devoid of physical it's devoid of laws of physics it's devoid of anything so we could build anything we want so we could be creators and we can unleash all our creativity uh, to create three-dimensional spaces the way we want and that's where this gets exciting for our next part of the podcast i have asked you to bring a a stat that you find interesting and for us to unpick it slightly so what stat have you come with it come with today Okay, over 90% of the internet runs through undersea cables. And over 90% of those undersea cables are owned by four companies. So interestingly, for the world of Web3, for all the conversation about decentralization, um, the internet essentially is highly centralized, uh, which is a good thing and a bad thing. Um, and I think that's the, that's the stat that blew my brain the most in the recent past. And it being centralized, how, how is that a good thing? If you could explain that to me, because obviously the point about Web3 is it becomes decentralized and that's a big plus for it. So why, what, what is the benefit of having a centralized internet? So there, there are two points to this, right? So the, the first point here is someone said decentralization is the best system in the hands of the virtuous. So if you're ready to decentralize, we really need to believe that everyone who's participating in a decentralized community are all leaning towards doing the right thing. We have seen in the recent past, NFT rug pulls, 
people taking away, um, you know, everything that's in the treasury. Um, there are there are there are so many NFT projects that have just gone to zero, and communities who have participated in them have burned their hands. Now the question is, and therefore, we need regulation. We need consumer protection. We need somebody to have a kill switch for some things that is probably not going the right direction. So which is why I think we set up the Web3 Marketing Association to be able to create uh, policy standards, to be able to have conversations about how do we influence the development of Web3, uh, all of those. I'm not saying everything should be decentralized or everything should be centralized. I think there are parts where we need governance. We need to ensure that somebody protects the rights of people who are participating, uh, especially communities, customers, um, anyone who is um, you know, bringing their time, effort, or their savings uh, into a project, uh, which is why getting the right balance is probably the right thing. And I'd also like you to talk about uh, your best practice maybe the most exciting project that you've worked on and how you got other people's attention? My absolute pet project has been the development and launch of Web3 Marketing Association. You know, Web3 Marketing Association is a zero-profit company, right? And everyone working at the Web3 Marketing Association, we are nearly 10 of us now, they're all pro bono. Uh, and they do this for the love of Web3 and for the love of marketing, and that's about it. And we have senior people from Unilever and WPP and, you know, Frameplay and, um, you know, Accenture and everywhere else. And they all do this by the side of their desks. Um, and, and the way that I probably got their attention was just to pitch to them about the, the fact that, I mean, all the stuff that we're speaking about is what I spoke to them about. Uh, and my invitation to them was very simple, right? My elevator pitch was, hey, Web3 Marketing Association is all about the current generation of marketers influencing the development of the next generation of the internet. That was it. That's the sort of mic drop moment. And they go, whoa, yeah. And I think that the moment of epiphany for me, Lucy, was I initially thought we should set up the Web3 Marketing Association to bring more brands and marketers to Web3. And as we spoke about, Web3 is not here yet. It's being built. The next generation, it's Web 2.2, 2.3. Someone said it's Web 2.5. Uh, we don't know where it is, right? I think it's somewhere between two and three. And CMOs like me um, were kind of asleep at the wheel when, when the previous generation of internet happened. Um, and the opportunity for us is to now participate. And why marketers? Because marketers are, good marketers are usually customer obsessed. Good marketers are also focused on bringing value to their enterprise through make, ensuring that marketing budgets, which is usually a, a biggest discretionary part of spends in any, any business, uh, aimed at the right things. Um, good marketers are conscious about what they do from a, a governance perspective, from a privacy perspective, um, all of those things. So we thought we should bring marketers from around the world into one place and get them to sort of step in and have a voice to create the next generation of the internet. Uh, and that feels like a super lofty goal. So someone said, hey, um, whose job is it to create the next generation of the internet? And I said, well, it's all of ours. Uh, it's not a technology company in the West Coast. It's not some VCs in the East Coast. 
it's not the it's 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 not the governance bodies. Uh, it's everyone's job to ensure that the internet that we will create for the next generation is is the one that we will all be proud of. And that's where that's why I'm super proud, and I think that's how I got everyone's attention. I mean, I can see how I can see why it worked. You've convinced me. That was a uh, yeah. I mean, what an elevator pitch. But I mean, we talked about how you can't. I mean, there's so much that could happen that is that like, we can't really predict that's going to happen next. Is is there any are there any certainties that you're sure of that you're looking forward to being built or you know cu- coming into the Web three soon? I think there are probably probably three things that I feel super certain about. The first area is the early immersive experiences um, will all be brand experiences. It's not going to be business models popping up. It's all going to be um, things that we will do in the metaverse are going to be how do you experience a brand uh, and how do how do brand marketers create uh, new dimensions uh, for anyone to experience a brand. The second one that I'm super certain about that any technology is not just about technology talking to technology. Technologies that will win are technologies that will augment humanity, like we spoke about earlier. Um, and someone said that you know when you when you put seemingly disparate things is when magic is going to happen. When you see a grizzly bear, it looks yeah whatever. When you see a unicycle, it looks uh, whatever. When you put a grizzly bear on a unicycle, then it's magic. So if you can create uh, online experiences or digital metaverse experiences that connect to real life scenarios, um, that's when I think that's when I think magic will happen. Um, just like you know, all the things that I mean, we use Google Maps to go from one place to another ourselves. Um, we are just not traveling within Google Maps, are we? So it's actually a utility for us for us as humans to go from one place to another which is why you know it's it's the most one of the most used apps in, uh, on the planet so if we can if this technology can somehow connect into augmenting humanity that's i think that's where it'll that's where the magic will be and i'm i'm fairly certain that those are the businesses that will that will last and uh, the third area that i'm super certain is um i think more um I wouldn't say intervention. I think more. I think regulation, governance, policy will lean in more to create the right frameworks. Um, and if they don't, I think it'll be a big miss. But I don't. Th- I think. I think practically every governing body, uh, every association is thinking about what they should do with this. Policymakers are thinking about this. Um, I'm, I'm quite certain that you know good frameworks are coming. It's not going to be the wild west. It's not going to be for degens. It's going to be for everyone. Uh, I think these three things I'm super certain about. Before we see more magic in the Web3, there's a little bit of magic at the end of the podcast that we are going to expect from you, which is my favorite part of the podcast, which is all about getting my attention. And that is the Attention Seekers Famous Resell Me a Pen Challenge. So... Last, last week's guest, Gareth Turner from Big Black Door, has set you a gramophone to resell to today's audience in 60 seconds, ideally with a performance marketing strategy. Are you, are you ready? Are you prepared, Suresh? No, I'm not at all. I didn't know I was supposed to do this. Well, what am I? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, even better then. I mean, this is, you know, it's complete blind. You're going in blind uh, and that's absolutely fine. So it's truly authentic, everything that you're coming up with now. <laughs> Listen, everything that I didn't prepare for this podcast at all. <laughs> so, so uh, hopefully, hopefully all the things that I said made sense. And now whatever we, whatever we do now, uh, we'll, we'll do too. Well, that's all right. You, you've, you've, you've raised the bar so highly. You know, you've, you've spoken so, so brilliantly about Web three. Now, this, you know, this is just at the end. So we can always cut it out if needs be. <laughs> okay. Well, for our first ever blind attempt at the resell me a pen challenge, over to Suresh, you have sixty seconds to resell me a gramophone. Wow. So here, here is what I believe, Lucy. In the next three years. All of the music, all the things, all of us humans and every everyone is going to be so deep in the digital assets world that we will lose touch with reality. And the last missing pieces of reality will be worth a few billion dollars. So if you hold on to this gramophone, you're going to be a billionaire. So hold on to it. It just cost you $20 now. Oh, that is brilliant. Thank you. Well, you know, well within time. And I mean, yeah, I, who doesn't want to be a billionaire in a couple of years' time? But that, yeah. That's it. <laughs> Thanks for that, Suresh. <laughs> well, all I can say is I'm sold. I have I have bought, you have resold me a gramophone uh, for at least in the fact that it's going to be so rare in, 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 in the future for whatever that is going to be. Um, well, thank you so much for being this week's attention seeker, Suresh. I hope we've satisfied your attention seeking desires. You have indeed. Thank you very much. It was great fun. If you want to find out more about the news and trends from global brands, agencies and platforms in the performance marketing industry, register with us on our website, performancemarketingworld.com. Well, thank you all for listening and giving us your attention. I hope you will join me next time with Zoe Hayward, CMO at The Big Issue.